Hey there, Carl here, coming to you from New York City. Yeah, I know, pretty cool that I can whistle the American National Anthem. Today, you better fasten your seatbelts, because we're going on a bit of a bumpy journey. Along the way, we'll be making some pretty big life and death decisions. But short and curly listeners are a curious and brave breed. So I think you'll enjoy it too. Carl, can you guess what I wanted to be when I was a kid? Okay, Shemita, uh, you're pretty strong and tough, Mm -hmm. so maybe like a martial arts teacher. Ooh, I like that. But no. Ferris wheel operator. No. An insect doctor? Is that even a thing? No. Carl, you're really bad at guessing, so I'm just going to tell you. I always wanted to be... A subway operator. Oh, you mean a subway driver? Yeah, I can see that. You'd be great. Right? I'm really good at steering. I like long trips. I love tunnels. And I really like this idea of having a job where I can tell people, stand clear of the closing doors, please. You know what? What? I actually met a guy the other day. His name is Drew Goucher. And he used to work as a subway driver. (gasps) No way! Way, way. All right, so this is our train now. So when the doors open up, we're going to get on and ride one stop down. So basically, the average train in the New York City subway system is longer than a football field. We have over 6,000 subway cars, so we, of course, couple them together to make our trains. And on a given weekday, when a train leaves a terminal going to the other terminal, that happens about 8,000 times every weekday. And we'll hear some more from Drew later on. Oh, that's so cool. I can't wait. Today on the show, I thought it would be cool if we stepped into the role of a subway driver. Ah, sounds fun. Well, don't get too excited, Carl. This is an ethics show, so it won't be the smoothest ride. Ugh, what do you mean? Well, I think we should use this opportunity to tackle one of the most famous ethics problems of all time. It's puzzled many, many minds for many, many years. And maybe it'll puzzle yours, too. We're going to look at a problem called the trolley dilemma. This problem asks you to weigh up two really bad outcomes. And a trolley is basically a train or a tram, but the dilemma will work just as well for a subway, too. And we're going to be driving the subway? At least for a little bit, yeah. Yes! Can I choose a name for our train? Sure, go for it. Okay, it's got to be good, it's got to be cool. Mm -hmm. Let's call it the S-Train, in your honor, Shamita. Oh, Carl, I'm flattered, thank you. So we'd like you all to hop aboard the S-Train, a simulated subway. For the first step of this adventure, we'd like you to imagine you're in charge of driving a subway car. Shotgun driving! What, Carl? That's so unfair. You can't just steal my dream job. Too late. I've already got the hat. Hang on. That's the subway dispatcher's direct line. Why are they calling us? Oh, there's always something wrong with the subway here in New York. It's probably no big deal. Just answer it. S-Train here. How can we help dispatcher? Call. Stop the subway right now. There's a big problem up ahead on the track. Oh, no. Somehow, five people got themselves stuck on your track. Oh, my God. You gotta pull those brakes right away. Uh, dispatcher, the brakes are jammed. Call. what's going on? There's some big problems here. Carl, Carl, get over here. The engine's locked. Oh, God, it won't shut down. Talk to me. Talk to me, Carl. What's happening over there, S-Train? Nothing's working, Dispatcher. I have no control over the brakes and engine. 
This subway car's gone crazy. Look, there's no time to fix the brake. The train is heading straight towards those five people on the track. Carl, what are we going to do? Wait a minute. Uh, there's one thing you could do to save them. You could switch the train to a different track. <sighs> okay, great. We can save those five people. But Carl, it's, it, it's not as simple as just changing a track. Oh, no. There's actually one person stuck on that track as well. <sighs> I mean, it's just one person compared to five, but... Wait, wait, wait. So we've got to choose between plowing along on this train and killing five people or switching tracks to kill just one? I'm sorry, but there's not much time. you got to choose between five people dying on the tracks that you're on now or switching to the track where one person's going to be killed. Dispatcher, what do we do? Carl, you, you got to make a decision now. No, 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 Lose Dispatcher. Something. Dispatcher, Carl. can you hear us? Carl, can you hear me? Carl, come on, think. What are we going to do? Okay. S-train. Brief. Oh, S-train. So do we stay on the current track and, and do nothing? Knowing that five people will be killed. Or, or do we flick the switch and, and push over to the other track? Knowing that we'll be killing one person if we do. Oh, Carl, I don't know. You're in charge of the decision. You're the driver. Uh. Come on. Oh, that is one difficult dilemma. Uh, don't worry. This super famous ethical problem stumps a lot of people. It's not just you. So uh, are you meant to let the train keep going to kill five people? Or do you divert to the second track, sacrificing one person? Well, this is a thought experiment, Carl. A what? A thought experiment. You know, it means it comes from your imagination. Philosophers use them all the time to figure out the consequences of different decisions you might be able to make in extreme situations. So this trolley dilemma isn't really a real situation. In fact, it's super unlikely it would ever happen at all. Oh yeah, sure. I I knew that, for sure. I mean, I wasn't getting carried away and thinking I was there or anything. And you know, there isn't always a correct answer to a thought experiment. Right. Are you sure there isn't some other way to stop the train? (laughs) So on Short and Curly, we always talk to a special brains trust of schoolchildren, and that's exactly what they said when we asked them this question. They all tried to find some creative way out of the situation. Are the people in earshot? Would they be able to hear you yelling for them to get out of the way? I have to say two things. Like, one, can't you just, like, click the switch until, like, the train could topple over? And that would save all the people from dying. I mean, but, like, you shouldn't be on the track when the train is coming. That's well, like, don't they that, have the little thing? You don't know the train is coming because the tra- because they don't give you anything. So you're just working on it. It's like a pass. But, like, aren't they smart enough to hear the sound? But, of course, the whole point of a thought experiment is there is no easy way out. You can't just imagine up a way to stop the subway car. You can only choose to keep going and kill five people or divert it to kill one. Why do thought experiments have to be so difficult? So when we told the kids from our brains trust there was no other option, here's what they said. Five lives are just are greater than one. Why would I sacrifice five lives just to save one, you know? Because even if that person was my best friend, there's five lives that even if I don't know them, there's still five lives and you're just one life. So I would rather have you gone. Not knowing them, you would most likely flip the switch because, yeah, five lives is better than one. I would want to learn who that person, the one person was, and I would write a letter to their family and explain what I did and why I had to do it. See, this is why the trolley dilemma is so tricky and why it really divides people. Well, remember, we've got our very own philosopher here on Short and Curly, Jennifer Morton from the City College of New York. Oh, right. Hi, Jen. 
Can you help us think about this? I'll try. So ever since this question was posed by Philippa Foote, it's really vexed lots of philosophers. So the first approach you might take is just to think about what's going to happen in each scenario. So you have two scenarios and one, five people die, and the other, one person dies. And it seems clearly better that only one person dies and five people die. And when you approach an ethical dilemma in this way, what you're doing is what a consequentialist would do. Wait, wait, what's a consequentialist? It's someone that thinks that whether an action is right or wrong depends on what will happen, on the outcomes of the action. Oh, right. Consequences, consequentialist. Got it. But Jen, even if fewer people are killed at the end of the day, by flicking the switch and going on a different track, you're still choosing to kill one person, aren't you? That's a really good point. And it might feel like in flicking the switch, you really are doing an action that is wrong. You're committing murder. And killing is bad. So you might think, huh, that means we shouldn't pull the lever. But philosophers have found a way out of this dilemma. What do they say? So it really depends on how you think about the action. So one way of thinking about it is that you're killing someone, but that doesn't seem quite right. What you really are doing is trying to save the five people. That's why you're flicking the switch. And it's a side effect of your action of saving the five people that one person dies. In philosophy, this is known as the doctrine of double effect. So, for example, while we've been talking here, I've been sending little droplets of saliva flying all through the air. Ew, Jen, say it. Don't spray it. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a side effect of me talking. It's not what I intend, guys. So you shouldn't hold me responsible for it. And you might say the same thing in the case of the trolley. What you intend, strictly speaking, is to save five lives— And it's an unfortunate side effect that you end up killing one person. So it sounds like different people might choose a different answer based on what's most important to them. I wonder what you listening would do. For every episode of Short and Curly, we'll give you the opportunity to pause the show to think about a few questions. So we'll give you a few moments now to pause when the music plays to think about this question yourself or to chat about it with those around you. And the question is, what would you do and why? Would you leave the train running along the main track, killing five people, or do you switch to the second track, sacrificing one person to save the others? Hit pause now. Maybe thinking this is all silly because you'd never end up in this exact scenario. Well, there might be situations like it that you could find yourself in. Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, think about, you know, driving a car. You might find yourself in a really bad situation where you're about to get into an accident and you might have to choose between harming one person or someone else or a whole bunch of people. Yeah, and this could be important for driverless cars too. Oh, yeah. Someone's got to program them to choose what to do in an emergency like that. And those decisions might be weighing up the lives of people in the car versus people out on the street. And that's why these thought experiments can be really useful. They can help us figure out what the best answer would be in real life too. Even subway drivers find themselves in some tricky situations. Maybe not exactly the five versus one dilemma we just heard, but Drew. Remember Drew? Oh yeah, the guy you rode the subway with. He thought that train dilemma was super, super unlikely. 
Well, just in terms of you know my own knowledge of the system, a, a, a scenario like that would actually be physically impossible in the subway because our, our signal system is designed to enforce safety, and part of that part of that is to actually ensure that when a train is approaching a switch like that, that we can't just throw the switch in front of it without any warning. So, in terms of something like that, it's it's not even possible. But that's not to say there is no danger on the subway. Drivers are trained to think about how they'd act in all kinds of emergency situations where they'd have to make difficult but also quick decisions. One of the most common scenarios that we talk about, and it's something that's definitely discussed in in fire safety training and during operations training in general, is what to do if we ever have to evacuate a train in the tunnel if we have a person with a wheelchair on the train. In terms of officially, right, and what we're trained to do, if we have a train with 1,000, 1,500 people on it, we certainly can't leave 1,499 people on that train because we have one person with a disability that's, that's unable to disembark into the tunnel and evacuate the train. So we ourselves cannot delay the evacuation of the others because of that one person. So that's, that's kind of like a, a very tough choice to make. You know, certainly it's not one we want to have to make. Man, Carl, the driver's job is serious. Yeah, I mean, they aren't making the kinds of decisions that we heard about in that thought experiment, Mm -hmm. but they do have some pretty tough decisions to ponder every day on the job. So, Shamita, is that all there is to this famous thought experiment then, this five-verse-one trolley dilemma? Well, not exactly. There are a lot of other variations of it out there, and some of them get a lot trickier. Uh, can't we go for an easier version? Not a chance, Carl. Okay, just imagine a really similar situation. There's a train on a track. That's exactly the same. And there are five people on the track up ahead. Right, that's the same too, yep. And the subway car is moving along. It's gonna hit the people. Sounding oddly like the first situation. Okay, but here's what's different. You aren't driving the train. Huh, oh, well that sounds much easier. This time, you're just waiting around on a bridge above the track. That's fine. I can do this. Okay, Carl, here's the catch. There is no second track this time that the train can change to. Well, wait, what are you meant to do then? Well, in this version of the story, you notice a larger person standing on the bridge too, and you realize that person would be big enough to bring the subway train to a stop if you push them off the bridge. Wait, what? I've got to kill a guy? Push him onto the tracks? Yeah, you have to decide whether to use all your strength and push this person off the bridge onto the tracks to die to save the five people up ahead. Or you can do nothing. Uh, Shemita, no way. You want to kill that poor person? I'm just saying they're big enough. And if it comes down to one person dying or five people dying... Shamita, I can't make this decision. I thought all the stressful stuff was behind us. And the subway's going to go rushing past any second. Uh, what am I going to do? Okay, settle down, Carl. We aren't actually there. And we don't actually have to make this decision in real life. It's just a thought experiment, remember? Uh, oh, yeah, yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, sorry, I just got a bit caught up there. You always do, Carl. All right, let's see what our junior train drivers in our brains trust thought they would do. You're not really committing murder in the first one because you're just flicking a switch. You're not really, like, you know, killing a person. But in the second one, you're literally pushing him to die. 
If it's either that person or nothing, I would do nothing. It's not morally ethic to not help others, but you're not obligated to, but you really should. I don't think that I could live with the fact that I'm the purpose of like someone dying. Basically in this one, you do have a choice because this time the person who you're gonna push has an opinion to say no or yes. The person, the one person already on the track is already on the track, so they don't really have much in the say of the matter, except just die, see what I'm saying? Because if you do push them off, you're gonna get, you're gonna be haunted by the thought that you, mur that you kind of murdered someone because you pushed them off the bridge. Ugh, yeah, look, I I'd be haunted too if I had to make that decision. Okay, well, I want to see what our philosopher Jen thinks about all this. Hey, Jen, why would pushing someone onto the tracks be any different from the first scenario? So what's really cool is that psychologists have actually asked a lot of people about these questions. And their answers are very similar to those of our brain trust. Most people pull the lever in the first case, but they don't want to push the big person in front of the train in the second case. But aren't they the same thing, really? You're still killing one person and saving five. Shamita, you're thinking like a good consequentialist. Oh, right. I remember those guys. They're the ones who only care about the end result, right? Exactly. And it seems like in these two cases, the end results are the same. So aren't we being inconsistent or irrational and saying one thing in one case and a different thing in the other? But it does feel different, though, doesn't it, Jen? You're right, Carl. And a lot of people have that reaction. And what you might be objecting to is how we're treating the person in the second case. So when you're actually pushing someone onto the tracks to stop the train, it seems almost as if you're treating them like an object, like they're a big boulder. You're not giving the person a chance to decide for themselves whether they want to throw themselves in front of the train. Uh-huh. So that means we should definitely not push the man off the bridge. Not so fast. Sometimes we have to do things that feel wrong or are difficult for us to do because if we don't, the outcome is so bad. That was the sound of my brain exploding again. Thanks, Jen. Well, maybe anyone listening at home or in the car or in the classroom will want to think about this situation too. Would you listening push someone in front of a train to save five people stuck on the track? Hit pause now. Shmita, I am exhausted and, to be honest, like a little bit grossed out by all of these thought experiments. Yeah, but people like me who've wanted to be train drivers all their life were prepared for days like this that are full of these tough decisions. And even though it seems kind of far-fetched, it is a useful thought experiment because it tells us a lot about how we think about right and wrong. Now, we would love to hear what you think about these questions or any other questions on Short and Curly. Yeah, and feel free to write to us. Just Google Short and Curly, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll see the link. Let us know what you decide to do. Or just tell us what you think of the show. And if you like Short and Curly, make sure to tell your friends, family, or classmates about it. We want to keep making the show, but that means we need you, our loyal Short and Curly kids, to get out there and get more people listening. Go grab mom, dad, or basically anyone's phone and subscribe them to the show. You can also help other people find the show by reviewing us on iTunes. Now, a big thanks to our Brains Trust today, the students from IS318 in Brooklyn, New York. 
and also to the Environmental Charter Middle School in Inglewood, Los Angeles. Plus, thanks to our subway dispatcher, Joe Curcio. Oh, and uh, Shamita, did I tell you the advice Drew had to say about your alternate career as a subway driver? (gasps) No, what did he say? All right, so Shamita, if you want to become a train operator, I think one of the best things you could do is get some experience with the car. Right, learn to learn how fast you're going without looking down at that speedometer. I don't think Shmita even has a driving license. Is that a bad sign? Uh-oh. Well, it's not a requirement, but maybe she could ride a bicycle or something. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. I can do that. I am amazing on my bike. Okay, Shmita, my brain is fried after all that thinking today. Are you catching the subway home? Ugh, no, not unless you're driving. Fat chance. Listen, let's walk. Actually, you know, that reminds me. If we were walking home one day, and suddenly you saw... Is this another thought experiment? Yeah. Enough. Not again. Bye. (laughs) That's my new favorite way to get rid of him. Okay, see you next time, guys. This special season of Short and Curly was a team effort between Australia and the United States. Yay! Team Carl is from ABC Audio Studios, part of the very grown-up sounding... Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Corporation, corporation, corporation. And Team Shamita is from WNYC Studios in the Big Apple, New York City. The creator and series producer of Short and Curly is Kyla Slarvin. The executive producers of our cross-Atlantic adventure are Emily Botin and Ian Walker. Our sound engineers are Isaac Jones, Hamish Camilleri, and Jolyn Camilleri. Production support from Sarah Sandback and Bridget Burja. And Amy Pearl is just plain awesome. Amy Pearl is just plain awesome. Hey, and also, we got to thank the big bosses. These two people made our adventure to New York possible. Kelly Reardon, head of ABC Audio Studios, and Dean Capello, head of WNYC Studios. And finally, if you're curious to hear the slightly different American version of these episodes, just go to picklepodcast.com. That's pickle, P-I-C-K-L-E, podcast.com.